This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, March 20th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Staff Writer and Box Office Analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? It's been a week for both of us. This past week, you were at South by Southwest Film Festival. South by Southwest is like a bunch of festivals. Last time I went, it was it was crazy because it's like a, a music festival, a tech festival. It's a it's a party. It's everything, and it takes over like all of downtown Austin. Like for anyone that's ever done a film festival or conference or anything, you know, typically it's like at a convention center or like there will be one or two venues. It's it takes over so much of Austin. It's such a big big thing, so it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the news, I, I thought I would ask you, Ryan, uh, what are some films that you see you saw at South by that should be on our radar? Well, one thing that I saw that I think you'll appreciate, Peter, is that uh, it, it, the, one of the first things I did was this panel uh, for like Disney Parks uh, the opening day, and they the they showed off some stuff. Uh, and one of the things I got to see the quote unquote real lightsaber they're using, um, and. Oh my God, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it looks so good in person. Dude, it is. It seriously tore the roof off the place. Like, I, it was un. I wrote a whole thing about it just because it is so t- genuinely awe inspiring. Like, I know you can see the video online, but like, my God, seeing it in person was wild. But they also showed off like a life size Hulk that's wandering around Disneyland Paris. And the idea is that they're going to use these exoskeletons to bring bigger characters to life once they get the production process down. 
And then I saw this like prototype robot that like makes me believe that like humans are done for. Um, so that, you know, that would, that was a pretty cool way to kick off the festival for sure. Yeah. I, I saw the clip of the robot, like climbing out of the box and then doing a flip on roller skates. And I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, like I touched the robot because like I had, there was a little thing I got invited to after where I got to talk to the Imagineers for a minute and the robot was there and like I touched it and I was like, yeah, no, this is so unsettling. I hate this. Like it was so it really made me think that like, yeah, this is the beginning of the end for humanity. But hey, if we're going to do it, let's do it Disney style. <laughs> OK, what about movies? Oh, but, uh, by movies. the way, you saw Josh DeMauro speak and at the Oscars, he was sitting next to Bob Iger, which has led some people to believe that he might be the person that Bob Iger might be grooming to replace him. So I I'm not say, sure if that's true if, or not. I, I don't know. Iger's got to groom somebody. And I can say this after watching tomorrow speak for like an hour, he really seemed to get it. And he had like poise and energy about him. Whereas like, I think the thing with like, you know, Bob Chapek was he just didn't really have any of that. So like I, I mean that would that that prospect would interest me for sure, but um, but yeah, he was he was a really fascinating guy to see speak for for a while. Um, uh, boy, what? Okay, so um, I saw Air, which is Ben Affleck's new movie. I, I saw that as the closing night film. Um, I am pleased to report that uh Ben Affleck is back, uh, as his more like Gone Baby Gone, the town Argo self, and that um, Live by Night was kind of a one off fluke. Uh, ben Affleck is still very good at what he does. Um, so keep air on your radar if you like Mr. Ben Affleck's films. Um, I saw still the Michael J. Fox documentary, and that was one of the most moving things that I saw because like you don't realize how much nostalgia you have for him until you see that movie, and he kind of gets to be a movie star in it again. It's more like a biopic about Michael J. Fox by Michael J. Fox in some ways, and that that was really great. Um, and then I, I think the, 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 the king of the crop was evil dead rise for sure. I mean, evil dead rise was absolutely astonishingly good. Uh, and that was one of the best premieres I've ever been to. So, um, I heard it was yeah. vicious. Oh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. But, but like, but I think the thing is unlike the 2013 movie, which was just absolute pure brutality, this movie is maybe gorier and crazier, but it does provide bits of levity here and there. So it at least breaks the tension. Um, it's a little more Sam Raimi and a little more fun in that way. But uh, uh, Lee Cronin, I actually had the, I got, I got to talk to Lee Cronin and, and the two main stars. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, man, oh man, get ready. I think that movie's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things out of, out of South by for it. Uh, this past week, I was in Orlando, Florida. I was covering a media event for Ordinary Adventures for the new Tron light cycle run roller coaster that is opening at magic kingdom i'll be very brief because i know this isn't a theme park podcast but it's fun it's short it's like a minute long you 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 straddle the the vehicles almost like a, a motorcycle i mean it, it's it's a light cycle you're riding a light cycle um but uh it's it, it opens i think in a week or two and uh it, it's gonna be crazy but um, Florida was crazy because the weather there was like sweatshirt weather, Ryan. Like every time I'm there, I'm, I'm usually like sweating my ass off. But like being there last week, it, it was lovely because it was just like not hot at all. So, yeah, because even in December when I was there, it wasn't exactly cold. Um, It was uh, it was it was a little warm ish for December. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about the box office. I don't think you were even on the podcast last week talking about the box office. I was not. I was knee deep in it last week. So uh, I wrote about some box office stuff for us last week. Didn't get to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was the big story last week? Was that Adam Driver's dinosaur movie, 65? Uh, no, that buried? was so Scream 6 opened last week, and Scream 6 did exceedingly well. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately 65 Adam driver's dinosaur movie, which I still haven't seen because of goddamn South by, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm dying to see that movie, but, but, uh, yeah, so scream six did extre- extremely well. 65 kind of got buried. Um, but, uh, this week it, let's, let's talk about the thing at hand here, which is uh Shazam fury of the gods. And, uh, Oh no, I've not seen it yet, but the, the numbers are extremely bad. Um, I mean, there's no getting around it. Um, this, this is like franchise killing kind of stuff. Uh, the, the movie opened to $30.5 million, uh, which is abysmal. Um, the, the original, uh, Shazam, which was made for a lot less money, opened to $53 million. And even that frankly is on the low side for a superhero movie. So 30.5 million is like someone's getting fired kind of numbers. Uh, and 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 it only did 35 million overseas. That includes a miserable like four million dollars in China. So you know it's at 65.5 million worldwide after a, a, a very very dismal opening weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be mean, but I mean the yeah. number. I mean those are just uh, the only saving grace here is that the reported budget is around 125 million, which. Look, a $60.5 million opening weekend worldwide is very bad for a $125 million movie. But as we've seen with a lot of these superhero movies, the budgets have been a lot higher than that. You know, like the Suicide Squad was $185 million. The Batman was around $200 million. You know, we've got a, a lot of these movies are very expensive to make. So luckily they made this one for slightly cheaper. But I mean, you know, there there has been a lot of talk about, oh, Shazam may be in the new DCU or whatever. Not a chance. Um, so, you know, this is pretty much, this is the end of the line. I'm not saying we'll never see a Shazam on the big screen again. I am saying this incarnation of Shazam is dead. And it, and in some ways that makes it easier on James Gunn and Peter Saffron to just move on because, you know, there, I mean, there's no sense in trying to take this with them. Did you see the movie at all? Haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I really, and I mean, for what it's worth, I love the first Shazam and I think the first Shazam is still one of the best reviewed DC movies ever. So, you yeah. know, there was a lot of, you know, th- this had breakout sequel potential all over it because the first one did well, but like, the, the, you know, it didn't do like a but it put that character on a lot of people's radar. And I always viewed it as like a John Wick, John Wick chapter two sort of thing where like a lot of people caught on to the first one after the fact. And I thought the second one could could do bigger numbers. But boy, was I wrong. And uh, I mean, I just think that the term superhero fatigue has been thrown out a lot in recent years and I never really saw it as true. Um, I'm starting to think where, where the, the evidence is pointing us in a place that that is becoming a real thing. And I don't know what that means for DC. I don't know what that means for Marvel. I don't know what that means for a lot of the stuff in the short term, but um, See, I, I'm not so sure about that. Ryan. I, I feel like, you know, the first Shazam had, a lot of promise to it like it was kind of like a almost like a big type movie do you know i mean it was a you know a, 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 
a weak kid who wanted to be a superhero, had that wish fulfillment thing going for it. Here, like, it was like a super fam. Like, you know, there's so much going, so much else going on in it. Sure. And but, I feel but like I mean, the trailers didn't really sell. I mean, you, you mentioned Shazam 1 being one, one of the best reviewed DC movies of all time. Uh, or the DCU or whatever. Uh, this one, 52% on the tomato meter. So it's, yeah, it's- not, but, but also the audience score is much higher and like, and, and I, but I just think that like, okay, fine. Take all of that account into what you said, Peter, $30.5 million scream four made uh, scream six made 44 million last weekend. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like you're, I mean, that is such a, like abysmally low number, you know, like, I mean, what did, I, I, let's, let's look at what did Morbius? I forgot what did Morbius do last year, because oh no. that's like, yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> Box Office Mojo. Box Office Mojo told me an unexpected error occurred for a second. Uh, Morbius opened to thirty nine million. Morbius opened to nine million dollars more than Shazam two. You know that, that that's, that's insane. But I don't. Right. Oh, okay, I I do agree with you that this is insane. That this is a uh, disaster. I just don't know if you can blame superhero fatigue on it i feel like i'm not saying that's the only factor but i'm saying we're starting to get to a point where that is becoming a factor yeah but i feel like if if my read on this is the movie didn't look good it was a bunch of things that like it, it was not what the first film it was not promising what the first film had uh on top of that like it, it just it I don't know. I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> no, I, hear, well, I think the one thing I'll say, though, is that, like, I think what we're seeing is that, like, your average superhero movie is not going to cut it anymore. Like yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, you're not going to be able to fly with that sort of thing anymore. And I think that movies like Morbius started to wear certain audiences out, particularly when these movies will be on streaming and people know they will be on streaming. They know Shazam Fury of the Gods will be on HBO Max. They know Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will be on Disney Plus. So there is a lot less like urgency for these, you know, movies. Because like that's yeah. why if you look at last year, Eternals was the most streamed superhero movie of last year. A lot of people didn't see Eternals in theaters, but a shitload of people streamed it. Now, does that help Disney's bottom line? No. But, you know, so well, not not as much. But but so yeah, I think that. I, look, I agree with you that the reviews weren't great. That didn't help. There's this is a multi-factored thing, but I think, but uh, you know, come at me if you must, everybody. But I think that we really got to start looking at like superhero fatigue being a real thing for once. I think the other thing for me, and this is what I was going to say before, is that I think the James Gunn and Pete Safran of it all, even though they said that Shazam could be part of their universe. It seemed clear that he wasn't going to be unless this was like a huge hit. Right. Like kind of and that was clearly it. just a lot. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, like, I feel like as much as it shouldn't matter that this movie is just a movie and it's not part of a big connected future of the DC universe to a lot of people that matters. And I think they're like, oh, why do I need to see this? It's not going to mean anything for the future of this. Yeah, I think that's maybe the worst um thing that the marvel cinematic universification of hollywood has done to certain things is that like why does this matter well maybe it's a movie you'll enjoy that should be enough but you know um yeah i don't know uh yeah that definitely is a fact like i said there's multi-factors <laughs> to it for sure but i'll tell you what after this though um i'm i'm saying james gunn has the most unenviable job in hollywood right now because now he's got a you know 
because you're probably you're gonna have this opening i mean i think the flash is probably still gonna open really well like the 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 word of but again that's getting to a point where all of the early buzz on the flash is like stellar you know it's not like you know where this is like some average you know i think like so i think that you know if you can deliver another one of those like really great comic book movies you can still get an audience but the average stuff isn't gonna fly anymore you know you're not gonna live in a world where um let me pull up the numbers here real quick. <laughs> uh, you're not going to live in a world where uh, Thor the Dark World makes $644 million. That's never going to happen again. You know, yeah. you're, you, those days are over, and that's, impo- and that's really the main thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you there. It, it's also a shame, and I'll say this because it's in the advertising for the movie. They were so desperate. They, they, they probably saw the tracking coming that they put this in the advertising in the movie. But it's a shame that this is going to be the last time we're going to see Gal as Wonder Woman probably in, in Shazam Fury of the Gods. Yeah, probably. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it smells a lot like when The Rock was promoting Black Adam and they – they all but said, you know, Henry Cavill Superman's in it just to try to drum up business. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know. But anyway, yeah. uh, so just real quick, aside from that, uh, Scream 6 had a pretty good second weekend with $17.5 million. It is at $116 million worldwide, and it actually has a shot at becoming the highest grossing Scream movie ever at this point, if the numbers sort of follow what the original did percentages wise. Um, so I would say Scream 7 is going to be announced any day now. Uh, and Creed three is about to pass the original Rocky, uh, and become the second highest grossing movie in that franchise behind only Rocky four. Uh, so those movies are cruising wow. right along. Um, and, uh, fun fact, uh, depending on how Puss in Boots, the last wish does in Japan, uh, it may end up finishing with more money than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania worldwide. And that is hard to believe. That is shocking. Okay, we have a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about a good burger sequel, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and uh, Damon Lindelof's Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> Lindelof Star Wars movie. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
And we're back. Okay, let's talk about Good Burger 2. This is something that's actually been announced. They're cooking it up at Paramount. And, uh, you know, Good Burger, what would you call Good Burger? Is it a, a cult classic? Classic for a certain generation? I think it's like a, 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 a cult classic of sorts for, like, 90s kids. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a very specific thing. This is one of those movies where, like, I think they're smart to do this at Paramount Plus because, like, the it's not going to be like something people are going to rush out to theaters for. But yeah, I think it's like a cult classic for '90s kids. Yeah, well, a, a variety of reports that Good Burger Two, two is going to be written and executive produced by Kevin Coppolau and Heath Seinfeld, uh, who not only co-wrote the original film but also worked on all that. The duo is going to help, going to get help, some help in writing from James Three. That's his name, Ryan James, I I I, which I, I tried to look up if like how do you pronounce that, but there's no information online. It turns out that James is his first name, and he's the third the third James in the family. So, so I think I don't know. Anyways, I'm gonna call him James Three. Uh, he's a young talent who worked as a writer on the reboot of all that, and uh, directing duties are gonna fall to Phil Trail, who is best known for directing episodes of. TV shows like Good Girls, Fresh Off the Boat, Modern Family, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Blackish, Raising Hope, Cougar Town. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, this is obviously a streaming movie, so uh, they're, they're, the expectations are a little bit lower than if this was going theatrical. But I, I'm kind of worried because you know Keenan and Kel, who are going to be reprising the roles, they are you know. It's been what twenty years? Over twenty years since. Oh, well, over twenty years. Good Burger was in the early nineties. Over twenty-five years is is what I'm going to say. And uh, Good Burger was nineteen ninety-seven, so twenty-six years. Yeah. I mean, are these guys still working at Good Burger? Are they are they managers? Like, what what is what do you think is going to be going on in the sequel? Look, I have no idea. Like, I tell you what, I'd like to see though is like it might be one of those things where it'd be like one of them still working there, one of them isn't. And one of them has to like come back for whatever reason, like falling from grace or whatever. Um, and uh, I feel like it'd be funny to almost flip it where like you had Kel like sort of as like the very successful one. And then like maybe Keenan got stuck at Good Burger or something. Whereas like, like, you know, to sort of because like, like, let you know, if you could almost acknowledge real life or like Keenan is wildly successful and Kel, all due respect, you know, not hasn't quite had as much of a big career since since the 90s so i think it'd be kind of an interesting way to sort of like you know uh flip-flop it a bit but uh (laughs) but uh but yeah i don't know i mean i i think like i mean i would probably watch this i don't know that like i i'm like thrilled about it but like i i would i would give it a watch and i think that's that's the thing is a lot of people probably will so um yeah i don't know i mean it's it makes sense yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll watch it on streaming, but I I'm just gonna say I don't have like super high expectations for it. But it it, it rings to me kind of like you know the Clark sequels, kind of like a a thing that you know a small audience is gonna enjoy. Sure, but I also think if you keep the, it's not like Good Burger Two has to cost a ton of money. You know what I mean? Like you can it, you can probably make this relatively cheap, and and you know that that can justify it for sure. And we'll Paramount's see. been smart too, where like. They've put a lot of their stuff on VOD as well, and they'll give stuff physical releases, so they can probably generate money from this, like, enough to justify it, for sure. For sure. 
Uh, one of the films that I w- I'm really excited about is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, we have a new quote from Chris Miller comparing it to Empire Strikes Back. Is, is that what, um, Ryan, is it a rule? Is it a law that like if you're a filmmaker and you're making a franchise and you're making the second chapter in the franchise that you have to make a quote somewhere in the media comparing it to Empire Strikes Back? It fe- feels like it's a law. Uh, it depends. Cause I feel like that's obviously the, the high watermark for, you know, there's like yeah. empire Godfather two. There's like a, the dark Knight. There's like a very small handful of sequels that are viewed in that light. And so you're either saying like, we want this to be the empire or you're saying like one of the only good sequels is empire. So it's foolish to chase that ball. So maybe, yeah, maybe it yeah. is sort of a legal requirement in some way. I will read the quote here. It, it, he actually goes more in depth. It's not just a, uh, apples to apples comparison he said uh he said this to empire magazine he said people who've seen across the spider-verse have told us that it feels like the empire strikes back of the spider-verse franchise it shows you worlds you haven't seen it's an emotional story that ends in a place where you need to see the third one so yeah this is our empire uh you know i'm already super excited for this movie i don't think there's anything that can get me more excited i don't think any part of that quote is like super surprising we knew that we we're gonna go into all these i mean it's across the spider-verse we're going into the spider-verse this time um and uh we knew that it was probably gonna be an emotional story but i guess the one thing that this probably does tell us is that it's probably gonna have a cliffhanger ending of sorts but i think we sort of knew that because this was originally billed as a part one yeah and then, like, we know part two is coming, and that's part of the reason it's taken so long to make the sequel. So that that's very unsurprising. Have any film franchises in the last 20 years that have, like, claimed to, like, we're, we're doing the Empire thing, have any of them been successful? Avengers at... Infinity War. Oh, you are, yeah. Well, I mean, that, uh, well, that's the third film but no but they were going for the like cliffhanger sequel ending to force you to watch the so i think that like and i do think that there was some talk of that being like a an empire type you know thing because i think that's the that's the thing it's not even so much that it has to be a second entry it's more about like this is this is going to end in a way where it almost forces you to have to watch the next one and and i think that I think that uh, that that Infinity War was incredibly good at at at, uh, at doing that. I would say, yeah, for sure. Um, the only one I can think of is kind of a second Pirates movie. Kind of did that in a way. I mean, Not to say the, that it was super in the sense, successful, but in the sense that it generated a shitload of money, and then the third one made even <laughs> like a, I don't I don't particularly enjoy the. I mean, like It's coming up. The twentieth anniversary of Curse of the Black Pearl is here in a couple of months. And uh, and that is still one of the best mainstream blockbusters ever made, I think. And so I think those sequels are a bit. They have a hard time sort of hitting that that bar. Yeah. But but, uh, but I mean, boy, did they make a lot of money, um, you know, so, you know, who, who am I to say? But even at um, this, in the sense that like one of the main characters, I forget who it was. I, I'm guessing it was Jack got like basically encased in, in carbonite at the end of the, in the movie. I don't know. I, oh, I feel sure. Like some... Yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah. And then like you had Jack Sparrow kind of dying like yeah. at the and then they had to go rescue him. I yeah, guess exactly. I guess you could say, could you could you make the argument that like um Lord of the Rings, the two towers, even though like, you know, cause, <laughs> I, 
I mean, I know it was like always going to be a trilogy, but I mean, I think that that movie was pretty damn sick because I mean, if it wasn't good, nobody would have showed up for Return of the King and that kind of helped tee up the ball for Return of the King is maybe one of the most successful third movies in a franchise ever. But can you even say that because that predates Empire? I mean, the source material, right? Well, no, because Return of the... What? Come on. Empire Strikes Back's 82. What are you talking about? No, I mean the source material for uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, Predates Empire, right? So, oh, like, okay. you're, you're, like I, I feel like you can't make the comparison with Lord of the Rings because it's like, it's not like they were pulling an Empire. Like, I, if anything, Empire is pulling a Lord of the... No, I don't know. <laughs> but, no, fair enough. I'm, de- I'm just trying to pull because, yeah, it is a tough thing. It, it is not easy to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are plenty of sequels I love, like Spider-Man 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time, but it doesn't really do the Empire thing. You know, like Spider-Man 2 is better than the original and Spider-Man 2 got a lot of people to go see Spider-Man 3, which is a very bad movie, but it, it's not necessarily like an Empire type movie. So, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future 2, maybe? Eh, I mean, I like Back to the Future 2 more than a lot of people, I guess, but like, but yeah, I, I don't know. Doc yeah, gets man. like struck by lightning, sent to the old west. Yeah, I mean it's not so much an empire, but I mean it did get darker with the the alternate nineteen eighty five and. Oh yeah, that that's stuff. that's the reason a lot of people don't like part two is because it is pretty dark. Yeah. But but uh but I I I've always liked I've always had a soft spot for two. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Star Wars because this wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Such a deal if we don't talk about Star Wars. You got a chance to talk to Damon Lindelof. Was he at South by? Oh, he sure was, because he's got a new show called Miss Davis coming out. And uh and uh yeah, I got to talk got to talk to Mr. Lindelof for almost 20 minutes. Uh which is uh if you if you do this sort of thing for a living, that's uh that's a long time. Like usually you get five, <laughs> maybe ten. So uh and in person too, because like you know, so many times you're doing stuff over Zoom or the phone. So it was really, really a real treat to get to speak to speak to him. But um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, naturally, like the dude's making a Star Wars movie. He can't talk about it. I know he can't talk about it, but I got him <laughs> to talk about it a little bit. Um, and and <laughs> that's more... not going to stop you from trying to get him to talk about it. And you were actually successful enough that people around the Internet have uh, quoted your piece what he said so yeah and look here's the deal i just i literally just told him i'm like look man i know you can't talk about it but like you know i got i like and i was like but i just asked him more like you know what is you know i asked him more about the feeling and kind of like what you know he's feeling about you know taking this on and he and uh his exact quote was um I will just say that for reasons that I can't get into on this Sunday morning, on this day, the degree of difficulty is extremely, extremely, extremely high. If I, if it can't be great, it shouldn't exist. That's all I'll say, because I have the same association with it as you do, which is it's the first movie I saw sitting in my dad's lap, four years old, May of 77. I think it's possible that sometimes when you hold something in such high reverence and esteem, you start to get in the kitchen and you just go, maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Maybe I should just be eating. We'll just leave it at that at this point. And then I did point out to him, I said, like, hey, man, you know, not for nothing, but you sort of pulled this off with Watchmen once before. And uh, and he goes uh, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And he said it like not being funny. <laughs> he he seemed to say it with like a very like, yeah, no, like we barely pulled that off. So, um, look, I, 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 I think I, this quote is very telling. If you if you take out all the like the fat out of this quote, he's saying 
the degree of difficulty in making this is extremely, extremely high. Uh, <laughs> it's also interesting that he says, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't be making this. Maybe I should just be enjoying these films. What, what do you what do you make out of this? Here's my thing. I think Damon Lindelof's absolutely making a Star Wars movie. And I think we're going to probably find out about it at Star Wars Celebration. But I think that he was basically taking us through a bit of his process, right? So like yeah. this to say, if he is going to make the movie and it is going to be announced at Star Wars Celebration next month, <laughs> it's because he feels confident about what they've come up with. And and I think that's really what he was doing, was taking us through the idea that like he does not take this lightly and that he really kind of went through the emotions of that while, while putting this together. And so I do imagine if he does, if it does whatever, if any Star Wars movies are announced at, at Star Wars Celebration next month, and I believe they will be, um, you know, it, it, and, and his is one of them. It'll, it'll be because he really feels confident about it. And so that's kind of what my takeaway was. He doesn't seem that confident about it right now, right? That's what I'm taking away. Well, again, like I said, I don't think that that's where his head is at right this yeah, second. I think yeah. that's where his head was at throughout the process. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that, like, that, again, because he can't talk about it. He can't yeah. talk about it. Like, yeah. you know, so it's like, you know, I, I, you know, like, what? It's like, I can't, you know, that that's the tricky part when you do this sometimes. You got to sit down with someone. And, like, honestly, like, I really just wanted to talk. I really honestly asked him what I wanted to know. Like, I want to know what it's like as a guy who loves star Wars. Like, what is that like for a person at this stage to like, what pressures come with that? What, you know? So like, I think that like, you know, I don't, I, he probably just would have told me something like, I can't talk about it if he didn't have something to say to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that like he, by you know, very fortunately had something thoughtful to say to me about it, but like, but you know, I, I, so I don't know. I'm, I, I, he's a very thoughtful guy. I love talking to him. It's one. It's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, and and I really think he was an amazing guy to talk to. And so, um, I'm I'm hopeful that that window into his brain, like if he does make this Star Wars movie, that it is more of a Watchmen situation where he did kind of put his head down, figure something good out, and he goes, okay, no, we've got it here. And you know, uh, setting aside any like nervousness he might have, you know, maybe maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the guy who can finally get these things back on track. Yeah. I love David Lindelof. I even love the the projects that people did not like the, you know, the uh, Prometheus, the <laughs> Tomorrowland Tomorrow in a way, uh, you know, there's stuff about them that I, I admire, even if they weren't fully successes. Uh, I hope he gets to actually do the Star Wars movie and I hope it gets announced next month at Celebration. But we'll we'll have to wait and see and find out. But uh, you can read more of all the stories you've mentioned on today's podcast on SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send it to your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please head on over to our Apple podcast page and write us like a one-sentence review. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. 
American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.